Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. We got fresh frozen <laughs> strawberry margaritas, and Terry's bringing us chips and salsa all night long. Nick's hips do not lie. <laughs> yeah, I got a MF wagon. Like, <laughs> let's be real. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat. You can find them wherever your podcasts are downloaded or sold. With me, as always, is Ray Knight. Uh, Johnny, I think this is going to be a great episode. I do. They're going to talk baseball, Johnny, and the baseball is the reason they talk and what they talk about. I think that's important to talk about baseball. And if you're a baseball podcast, you're going to end up talking lots of baseball. Well, that's awesome. Thank you very much, Johnny and Ray. Bob Carpenter with you here. And now, let's start the show. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat. Thanks for joining us. This is episode 93. I am Amanda, and I am joined by my ebullient co-hosts, Nick and Ryan, as always. Um, we have had a very busy and exciting week here at Half Street High Heat. We launched our website, which if you follow us on Twitter, I'm sure you've already seen um, many, many posts from us about it. Um, the account for the show at half st high heat is the same as the website address. So if you haven't checked it out yet, please do. Be you sure mean the to Twitter handle? Yeah, the Twitter handle and the website are the same. That's what I meant. Thank you. So anyway, if you haven't checked it out, make sure you do that. Um, I think you will find if you're a Nats fan, you will love it just like we do. So how you guys been? How's your week? So I have an announcement. <clears throat> All right, let's hear it. So 2020 was a year. And uh, one of the most important developments of 2020, once the uh, pandemic hit, uh, I grew my hair out. And it was long, it was luxurious, it was flowy, it was everything I'd ever hoped for. But then, you know, life happened through wrenching the plans, and now we're in, the, we're in Florida 
for you know the, the time being and it was too hot it just got too hot you know so I, my my hair was not made for this climate I tend to run a little warm so I made the decision to cut my hair wow and I will say my barber did me right and uh I'm back I am back because who he lined me up he did me good got the hot towel I got the massage it is awesome I'm feeling great I'm feeling rejuvenated I'm ready for this season three of the podcast would you say that your barber is the leading name and above the waist grooming yeah, I mean, I don't want him to be the leading name in below the waist grooming. That's for sure. <laughs> anyway, that that well, that's exciting. So no more luxurious mane for you. Nope, I would like nope. to know what it see what it what it's like to feel like things are too hot, like it's freezing and raining and icy and snowy and just absolutely dreadful weather here. Yeah, it was eighty three and humid today. So oh, shut up. <laughs> and one yeah. thing I found out and. Um, I'm sure women have to deal with this all the time. It's just how like frizzy and curly my hair got due to the humidity. Mm-hmm. Cause like I have generally pretty straight hair, but like, man, I'd wake up in the morning and that thing is just curly. So yeah. got a little bed head, got a little humidity, bad hair day from the humidity. It happens, yeah, so, but I don't have to deal with that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of humidity and wishing it were hot outside, my week was taken up by, I got a, I think I mentioned to you guys last week, my brand new seed starting setup, my big light tray that I got. So today I got my uh, peppers and tomato seeds started. Very exciting stuff around here. I planted way too many. So if you need some, you let me know. I'll uh, I'll get you some seedlings. Yeah, that's exactly what I need right now. So (laughs) I appreciate you coming through. Yeah, absolutely. You know where to you know where to get your seedlings if you need them. So that's the kind of I've been obsessing about getting all the garden stuff started. So it's very exciting. Around my house, it's uh, really difficult with three small children who want to be like all involved in it and in the middle of it. So I keep doing it in the middle of the night when everyone's asleep. It's a little bit strange habit for middle of the night time, but there you go. One does what one must. So you got a haircut. I planted seeds. Ryan, what exciting thing did you get up to this week? Um, I don't really know that. I, I don't really know what I did this week. Um, <laughs> the days just come and go, and they don't stop coming, and they don't stop coming. You know, it's you hit the ground running. I, I really do. You know. <laughs> um, hey now, you're an awesome. The ice, like I didn't realize it was icing, and I was like, hey, I'm gonna go for a walk. And the next thing I know, like, <laughs> like why does it sound like it's hailing? And like it really hurt, but no, um, I, I don't really, I don't really know what I did. To be honest with you, I, I honestly don't know what I did this week. I, I feel like I had a story, but I don't know. Nothing exists. Birds aren't real. That's the only thing I got for you. All right. So, an exciting week for all of us. Then sounds like, but things are about to get a lot more exciting because it's time to record a new episode of Half Street High Heat, and there is nothing more exciting than that. And if you think about it, it hasn't really been a week. It's only been a weekend. It's true. It's been a weekend. How many? I guess it's five days between, so most of a week. No, right? Yeah. Friday, so, Saturday, what? Sunday, month four days. Yeah, math is math is hard. Math is cool. hard. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk some baseball, Ryan. Will you hit us with the weekend review, please? Yeah. So pitchers and catchers are going to slowly start returning and reporting this week. That's okay, because even though we're reporting, there's still a lot of news that's taken away from the excitement that is baseball making its official 
return. Um, it will be officially announced that they cut 40 minor league teams and they announce how each minor league level is going to work with the 120 team format. There's going to be two AAA divisions and three divisions for single A and double A each. The move does come with controversy, of course, as Bernie Sanders is siding with minor league baseball and in an open letter ripped Major League Baseball, suggesting that Congress take away MLB's tax break if they do not bring back the 40 minor league teams. Sanders cites the financial strain that this will cause to many small towns that rely on the minor league teams and the communities that are built around them. Dr. Anthony Fauci talks about how he met with both sides, MLB and MLBPA. He said he only presented the hard data and did not give them any recommendations on how to go about the season. He noted that the meeting was kind of awkward due to the great tension between both sides. That sounds great. But he did stress to the owners to do whatever it takes to protect the players if they want to have a successful full season. It will be silently fired each and every team's in-game social media coordinator this week. The in-game coordinator was vital for each team's social connecting, social media teams, connecting the fans and helping grow the game in the community. So of course it will be eliminated all of them and they're gonna slowly take over each team's social media. Because remember, this is not a democracy. It's the MLB. Major League Baseball also announced that Florida team players need to get dressed, and they recommend doing pregame at their spring training ballpark before traveling. They also canceled all college team scrimmages as well. The Marlins announced that they'll have 20% capacity at the beginning of the season, which pre-pandemic, 20% was rather generous. So if you Marlins thinking you guys can surpass that, or even, sorry, excuse me, we'll even get to 20%. Um, to player news, Dodgers signed Justin Turner to a two-year $34 million contract. The Dodgers payroll is now $256 million, and they'll pay a whopping uh, luxury tax fine of $8 million. The Yankees signed Justin Wilson, uh, twins signed Matt Shoemaker, the Braves signed Jason Kipnis this afternoon. The Padres made several moves, including signing Mark Melanson and Keone Kella. The A's signed Yasmira Petit and Sergio Romo. The Mariners signed James Paxson and outbid the Mets. Rich Hill signs with the Rays. The Diamondbacks signed former national great Estrubo Cabrera. Jake Arrieta is going back home with the Cubs. Phillies signed Brad Miller. The Mets just signed Kevin Pillar. The Mariners signed Ken Giles and the Red Sox. No one knows what the hell they're doing this offseason. They signed Marwin Gonzalez. This has been your week in review brought to you in part by your local neighborhood chilies. Make sure you stop by or carry out. But you know, the weather sucks. Life is stressful. The years just don't exist anymore. Make sure you treat yourself to an absolute delicious dessert. And what better one than the molten chocolate cake at Chili's? It's chocolate cake with the molten chocolate center, and it's topped with vanilla ice cream and a chocolate shell. It's perfect to share, and it's just Valentine's Day. So, fellas, if you botch Valentine's Day, don't worry. Chili's got your back. This has been your Week in Review. All right, so lots going on. Um, you know, as we get up to spring training, a lot of pieces are coming off the board. A lot of people signing cheap deals. A lot of guys signing that I'm going, why at that price did the Nationals not sign that guy? Yeah, and <clears throat> especially with the Pilar signing, do we know how much money yet? Was that reported? I didn't see it before we started recording, but I can look real quick. Um, so I guess we'll have to wait for that. But, you know, all these cheap deals... It just it makes you, deal. it just makes you wonder what the Nats 
thought process is. And we talked about this last week, so I'm not going to go into too much detail today, but you know, that 40th spot is left open and I'm sure they're leaving it to a competition, which again, isn't all that uncommon, but I would have liked to seen, you know, have seen another starting pitcher, uh, a better bench bat, uh, you know, power third baseman, you know, something right with 16 million dollars to spend you could have shored up a lot of places with some depth signings yeah and that you know that's my one issue and we just released our uh well we did them on the podcast last week but we released our overall grades today on twitter and overall it was a pretty pretty good off season but you know if you want to contend if you want to you know repeat like the Nats were vying for last year and the Dodgers currently are you need to have an A offseason the Dodgers right now they just won the World Series and they had an A A plus offseason they signed Trevor Bauer they re-signed Justin Turner they signed um what reliever did they sign um I'm drawing a blank on their name they let Trinan walk but they they signed another you know high-end reliever and plus they already they didn't have as many holes as the Nats did the Braves you know they had an A off season they were one game away from the World Series they re-signed Ozuna long term they got Charlie Morton they got Drew Smiley you know they made moves that they needed to make and again didn't have as many holes as the Nats they had an A plus off season the Padres were behind the Nats last uh, no well in 2019 and they had an A plus off season with all the moves they've made so, again, it's just like you see all these teams who are already in front of you have better off-seasons than you and teams that were lower than you when you won it all leapfrogging you now. It's just like how do you expect to contend? Yes, this team may be good, and that, that would be great. But if – I don't know. It, it's just like I understand it's the off-season, and there's always that off-season champion that doesn't do well in the regular season. But it's not a strat, a real strategy to have a, a decent offseason and expect to magically get rewarded for that in the regular season. And that's my only problem. Well, that's one of my problems is the lack of depth signings. My other problem is the lack of signing that big right-handed bat we've talked about ad nauseum. But, um, you know, one thing that you mentioned a little while ago that made me think, you said, you know, I just don't understand the thought process. And here's where I'm coming from is, we know Mike Rizzo is good at his job. We know there is a thought process. So, you know, if he's not signing these guys that are coming off the board cheap, then he's got some method he's going for or some plan he's enacting or something. Like he's not kind of a loosey-goosey type of GM. But I don't see what it is. I really don't. I mean, leaving $16 million unspent and that 40th roster spot open, I mean, I guess if you were sitting pretty on paper, you know, looking like a division winner, then sure – you know, take a step back and be like, let's see what happens. But when clearly there are other teams in your own division that you need to catch up with, not to mention the Dodgers, you know, I, I just don't get the the lackadaisical, let's see what happens kind of thing. Like, and you know, one thing that we didn't talk about in the, is Carter Kihibum's possible injury? Like, is that something that Rizzo knows about? And so he's expecting much bigger things from Kihibum than the rest of us are. And so that's why they haven't gone out and gotten a third baseman. Like, I don't know. I just feel like Grizzo's got knowledge we don't have, obviously, but I feel like there must be a plan, but I'm not seeing it. It's kind of like 
I hate how everyone's like, yeah, you know, we're going to go out there and we're going to have our, our 91 team. You don't build a 91 team and you're having two reclamation projects and young prospects already. And like, it sucks saying that, but Robles hasn't lived up to the hype at all. And they're banking on him coming back big time. Keyboom, incredibly small sample size, but literally didn't show any talent whatsoever. And that whole injury thing, we knew he had a groin injury last year. It was reported. It's not really news that it was a tear because all strains are tears. That's you know, kind of how it works. It's like a degree thing, I think, right? Like there's different yeah, degrees of tear. Yeah, it's just if you have a strain, you have a tear. Like that's not news. I don't know why everyone's reacting to that. I don't think Cardi Keyboom is good. I really hope he makes me regret that. But yeah, I mean, I'm just kind of blown that we're going into a season where Jordy Mercer or Harada Parra is going to be the last bench spot. I don't think that's a really good mix. Not a really good strategy. Yes. Yeah, and that's that's the thing I keep. I'm very intrigued by this story about Keybone. Like, was he really injured last year? I want to believe it. You know, I'm a homer. I want to believe that he's going to be what we all thought he was going to be and that he had an injury that was aggravating him the whole year. And that's why he seemed so ineffective. And I guess we'll know soon. I mean, the season's going to be upon us before we know it. So we're going to get to see firsthand what Keyboom's got. But I don't know. I, I feel very I feel very unsure of how this Nats team is going to compete in the crucible that is the. To see right now. And I know that's kind of stupid to say this, you know, you're in the offseason, nobody's played a single game, but just looking at how improved the other teams around us are and without expanded playoffs, how few spots there are available, it, you know, you can, yeah, you that's can pretty much chalk up the Padres in one of the wild card spots if they don't win the division. That's what's kind of bothering me right now is because both AL and NL are so top heavy. If we're just going to focus on the NL here. On paper, you can put down who's going to be in the playoffs. Like, on paper, it's not really close. Like, you know, it's going to be the Mets, the Braves, the Cardinals, um, the Dodgers, and the Padres. And just the question we keep talking about is, did the Nats do enough to do that? And I think just going with Keyboom, they didn't. Um, and I, again, I really want to be wrong there. I really want Keyboom to shut me up and prove me wrong for me saying that he sucks wrong. But I don't know. I don't have a lot of faith in Keyboom. And I just, he's going to be the key if this team's going to make a run and play for a wild card spot this year. Because I don't think they're going to have to win the division, which is fine just because the Braves and Mets are a lot better. But Keyboom's going to be the difference if this team's going to make a wild card run. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And, you know, as you were just talking about, you can kind of chalk up those those teams on paper and usually at least one of the teams that on paper look like they're a lock for the playoffs don't end up getting there, but that only leaves one open spot. Yeah, it is always the mess. That only leaves though. If one of those teams doesn't make it, that leaves you one spot. Like, do you really want to be in a position where you're maybe competing for one open wildcard spot? It's not a good way to go into the, into the season. Yeah. And that's why I mentioned last week, you always need to play for the division. And right now it doesn't seem like they are. It just seems like, you know, they're going to, they're okay with being pleasantly surprised. They don't want to get their expectations too high, basically, is how I'm interpreting it. And this is unfair to do, but just for, you know, this hypothetical, say Juan Soto gets hurt. How are you looking at this team? Very, very differently. No, now, look, at, look at the Dodgers. If Cody Bellinger gets hurt, 
how are you looking at that team? Not that differently. Not that differently. And that that's what separates, you know, depth. The depth Dodgers, is always the difference between the Dodgers from the Nets. Same thing with the pitching staff. That is a fantastic point, Nick. Thank this you. team has no depth. Literally, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. But if Trey or uh Soto gets hurt, they're kind of screwed. Because like if Trey gets hurt, who's your shortstop? Jordy Mercer? Like they're gonna run the infield with Jordy Mercer. Um Carter Keyboom. No, it's probably going to be Keyboom if we're being real. I mean, still, that doesn't really give you a lot of confidence if um, he gets hurt. Even Soda gets hurt. Like, I don't know. They don't have a lot of depth. And, or Strauss isn't right, or Scherzer yeah. goes down, or Corbin. Yeah. And There's not a lot of do. depth in any at any position, really. And there you go. We've got the worst farm system in the league. So. And, like, I get it. Like, if you look at 2019, one of the reasons we've won, or we we did won, did win jesus was that we caught that lightning in a bottle but what was that lightning in the bottle health never in our you know eight years that we've been a quote-unquote contender have we experienced this level of health or that level of health max yeah he had back spasms but he still pitched game seven yeah you know Strauss had an unbelievable postseason which Everyone had been saying since he was drafted, if he can just stay healthy, if he can just stay healthy, and he yeah. finally stayed healthy. And Doolittle went down in the middle of the season, but you when know we were able back. to. Yeah. yeah, he came and, back, but we were able to trade for some pieces to replace him just the right time. But, but like yeah. top to bottom, we for the most part, everyone stayed healthy, and that's extremely rare. And I'm th- if this team stays healthy, there's no reason they can't do that again. But you can't expect a team to stay healthy. It's just unrealistic. Especially not after as odd a season as last year was. And I'm really worried about there were so many pitcher injuries last year. And now they're going to come into this with a much more normal amount of, you know, prep than they, they had last year before that weird season. But I also worry that the lack of innings pitched last year for a lot of pitchers is going to maybe get them off to a slower start, not be as stretched out, you know, maybe – I don't know. Maybe you're going to see a rash of pitcher injuries again, and maybe not. Maybe it will be more like a normal amount. I mean, I I think the spring training being right before the season obviously helps, but yeah, it does remain to be seen for someone like we talked about it when it happened, but Michael Kopech, who's one of the top rated prospects in baseball. um, He came up for the White Sox a couple years ago, needed to have Tommy John, and then due to the wacky season last year, his complete rehab schedule got screwed up, so we might not see him until 2022. So for someone like him, and I'm sure plenty of others, yeah, we'll see just how big of an impact last year had on them and what this year is going to look like. And Strauss having not been healthy at all last year, I mean, I I know we heard that rumor we talked about a couple weeks ago about somebody's cousin's sister's boyfriend's friend says that he feels great. And that's it's good to hear. It's like better to hear than the opposite, I suppose. But I still haven't seen anything official about Strauss. And I mean, pitchers and catchers are reporting this, you know, coming up. So I guess we'll see what he looks like. But I have I have still grave concern about how Strauss is going to hold up under the rigors of the season, having had literally no no play last year whatsoever. So the we'll good news see. is, you know, he's dealt with a severe injury before so he knows what worked for him in, in as far as getting back it's an excellent point so you hope that comes into play but also he's what eight years older not no yeah he's not a spring About, chicken anymore yeah so you don't know how your body is going to necessarily respond it's not going to be 
certainly not going to be the same way as you were when you were 25 or however old he was. So something to think about. Something to think about. So that's a whole lot of negative Nancyism from us. So I do still think this team, if they can stay healthy, they do have some really, really good pieces. Soto's going to be phenomenal. I have just huge expectations for him this year with a normal, you know, normal part for the season and a full season. I can't wait to see what Trey does. He was really having maybe that breakout we've always been talking about Trey having last year. So that he's another guy I have huge high hopes for. Um, so it'll be fun to see what Josh Bell can do. I'm really super intrigued to see um, how he does, whether the change, you know, they, there's so much made of the change of scenery and how that affects people and whether it can reinvigorate someone's career. So hopefully that'll be the case for Bell. So there's some really good stories in here too. We, we just have been focusing on the negative since we started recording this one. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But I mean, that's really what we have to talk about until the yeah. spring training starts and we kind of see how this team's gelling together. Yes, that is true. Okay. We've got a new segment we're going to do tonight, which I think is going to be a lot of fun. We're calling it who'd you rather the baseball edition. Um, so we're going to go down a list of players and say, if you could just pick this person for your team, which one of these guys would you rather have playing for your club? All right. First out of the gate, Garrett Cole or Jacob DeGrom? DeGrom easy. Yeah, I think this is pretty easy. I mean, Cole probably is the second best pitcher in baseball, but that's just it. He's second, and he's second to Jacob DeGrom. And yeah. the gap between one and him are pretty big. DeGrom's yep. a god. Yeah. Yep. I would take DeGrom, too. That was an easy one. All right, starting off easy. Okay, next one. This one's the controversy we see online all the time. Juan Soto or Ronald Acuna Jr.? I mean... I'm not going to do it. Ryan might. Uh, (laughs) I'm still going Soto, but there is a legitimate argument for Acuna based on his ability to play center field, his defense, Mm -hmm. his ability to swipe bags. Um, Yeah, he's not as good of a a pure hitter as Soto, and Soto certainly makes up for that gap in other areas because he's just that good of a hitter. Um, And he's a lefty, so there are a couple points there. But... You know, Acuna is a damn good player, and that's, you know. Yeah, that's a hard one, actually. DeGrom to Cole, and Cole was not a hard one. This one's a little bit tough. Yeah, so I'm going Soto, uh, but, you know, I'm not one of those types to get all up in arms if someone chooses Acuna over Soto. Yeah. Um, the troll master is going to take Acuna, I bet. Juan Soto is the greatest threat to world peace. <laughs> I saw you tweet that earlier. He's just an absolute loose cannon the man drops bombs every go defense is the most overrated thing in, in baseball no one cares if you're a good defender the only people who care if you're a good defender means you can't play offense and everyone talks about Cunha being good defender why because he's not as good a hitter as Juan Soto and everyone's like oh but his speed I don't care about his speed um Juan Soto is the top five hitter in the game um I'm back on my grind and I am back on actually I don't really hate teams but like I don't know, I just don't like Brave fans, so I can't pick Acuna just for that, even oh, though like, all right. it's fine. Also, yeah, I don't like Nats fans either. No, um, yeah, I'm going <laughs> Soto, just because, like I said, like, defense doesn't matter. 
Like it does, but like who cares when you're as good a as long as you're not dreadful, defense isn't as important as offense. And you know, I mean, Wanso is pretty bad defensively, but he can hit like a god, so it doesn't matter. Right, exactly. And that is the reason I would choose Soto as well. Um we've talked lots about um Robles and how he's an elite defender, but it doesn't make up for his lack of offense. And, you know, replacing defense is a much easier thing. You don't find hitters like Soto. You just don't. They're they're generational talents. And, you know, Acuna is a fantastic ball player. I would take anything away from him. But he, I, it doesn't look like at this point in their careers that he's ever going to be the hitter that Juan Soto is already. And uh, if I had to choose between a generational hitter and a guy who swipes bags, which is something that will taper off as he gets older and slower and plays good defense, I'm taking that generational hitter every time. So Soto for me. No one saw that coming. Yeah, I know. That was a hard one to predict. All right, here's another one. Let's get our Homer hats on again. Would you want Trey Turner or Fernando Tatis? Yeah, I'm not getting my Homer hat on for this one. I'm going <laughs> Tatis in the landslide. Like, look, I like Trey's one of my favorite players in the Nats. Trey is great. Trey Turner's going to turn 28 this year. Fernando Tatis is only 22. I do think Tatis Jr. gets overhyped a little bit. If you're young and you have a lot of flair and you have glimpse of greatness, you're going to get overhyped. That comes with the territory. Happened to Acuna. Acuna, Soto's got the hype. Um, Tatis, Bryce, any young player who shows flair and has that type of talent gets overhyped. He's still 22 years old. He has not played 162 games yet. But, again... He's 22 years old, and he's showing potential of being not only the face of baseball, but the potential of being a top-five shortstop and a perennial 6-4 player. I love Trey, but I'm going Tatis here. All right, Nick, what you got? And this this is one of those things where it's like it's no disrespect to Trey, just like it wasn't any disrespect to Garrett Cole that he was the second-best pitcher in baseball. It's no disrespect to Trey Turner that he's the fifth-best shortstop in baseball. It's the fact that Tatis is just that good. And so I'm going Tatis um, because I think he does everything Trey does. Um, Maybe doesn't steal bags quite as well, but he gets on base and he hits for more power and he plays probably better defense than Trey. So, and just the fact that he's so marketable and we talk about marketability with teams in baseball mm-hmm. all the time Putting butts and seats whole right thing, yeah. so it, it's hard to go against that um but knowing the nets they'd probably kill any marketability marketability that he does have so you know six one way half a dozen the other um <laughs> but i will say that uh trey turner just had a baby so you know I might, adorable yeah i might be eating my words here because trey's about to go full dad strength on the league Mm-hmm. And the Nats really screwed up not giving him an extension before the dad strength year because he going to be a problem. But Fernando Tatis is the truth, and I like rooting for him, so I'm going Tatis, even though I love Trey Turner. Yeah, please don't be is, mad. Don't, please don't be mad at me, Trey. Yeah, this is going to be a boring one because we should be picking the same people. I love Trey Turner. He's one of my favorite Nats. When uh, Rendon left, I Rendon was my jersey that I always wore to every game, and I went out and got a Trey Turner jersey. So um, I just love the guy, but I would have to take Tatis if I had to choose straight up between the two of them. I just feel like Tatis is younger. He's got more upside. 
I'm happy to see Trey Turner finally coming into his own, and I'm excited to see the dad strength version. But um, I think the ceiling is much higher with Tatis, and we haven't seen the best of him. And I think we know what Trey is going to give us at his best, and I hope we get that best from him for a lot of years to come and that they send him and he stays in that. But if I just if you just said to me, Tatis or Turner, I'm going Tatis. All right, next one. Sorry, I couldn't I couldn't unmute myself in time, but people are not going to like that one. So. No, no, we're gonna get we're gonna I, get told on Twitter how dumb I'm we are. I'm excited. That's what's gonna happen. Um, okay, next one is Trevor Story or Xander Bogarts. Y'all, y'all already know which way I'm going. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, Xander's my guy. I think he's the most underrated player in the game. I, he's fantastic. Um, I've already read all the stats about how rare he is of a talent. He does not get the credit that he deserves. So, yeah, I mean, Trevor's story is also so good. We're going with one, two right here. Trevor's probably the second, second best player. Uh, sorry, shortstop. So, yeah, um, but Xander's the first. So I'm going Xander here. Why it's, do you think he's so underrated? I think just because, like, playing on the Red Sox when – they were making like their World Series runs. Those were such stacked teams that he didn't get the attention he deserved. And then the Red Sox kind of sucked when he started going off with Devers and people didn't really pay attention to him for that. It's kind of like no one really pays attention to like Nolan Arenado or like Mike Trout. Like Because they're on crappy teams. Yeah, but like when the Red Sox were great, the Red Sox were stacked. Everyone was paying attention to Chris Sale. Everyone was paying attention to what J.D. Martinez was doing. No one really talked about what Xander was doing. And then Xander, Xander really came into his own the last couple of years. No one was paying attention to it. Because then the Yankees were doing their thing. The Astros were doing their thing. And that's where all the attention just went. Yep. That's an interesting point. All right, Nick, what are your thoughts? It's super, super close. Um, I'm not one to put too much stock into the Coors effect. Like, yeah, it certainly is a thing, but you still, like, if you can play baseball, it plays. It just, period. doesn't matter where, but it plays. That's why I expect Nolan Arenado to keep on mashing and keep on playing platinum glove level defense in St. Louis. That's why we saw DJ LeMayhew be severely criminally underrated when he was the free agent the first time around and have MVP caliber seasons his two years in New York and be compensated appropriately finally. So I think Trevor Story is good, period. Not because of course, not because he plays for the Rockies, not because he plays 81 games at high elevation. He's just good, period. Um, that being said, you, there is, you know, a slight adjustment you need to factor in for playing at Coors. That's just, you know, that ball that might hit the wall at any other park is going to be a home run at Coors. Like, that's just, you can't argue that. But you still have to hit that ball, and that's my point. But again, that being said, Xander pretty much has the same exact stats. Yeah, I looked at their Story. stats for this. It's just, it's crazy how it, close they are. It's insane how similar it is. So for that reason, and the fact that Mookie Betts is gone, now Benintendi's gone, yeah, he has Devers, but Xander's pretty much the guy now, and he's still doing it. He is still putting up numbers, and I have to go Xander Bogarts. It's... He's proven, whereas I think Trevor Story is as well, but it's just the fact that he should be 
slightly one notch above Xander, but he's not. He's still very mm-hmm. good, but he should be slightly above Xander, but he's not because Xander is just that good. So I'm going Xander Bogarts. Yeah, actually, that's a very similar point to what I was going to make is that I looked up their numbers in preparation for this segment, and it's kind of astonishing how close they are. Like they just looking at last year's numbers, granted, small sample size, but they had the exact same 11 home runs each, 28 RBIs each. Um, Their, let's see, batting average was 289 for Story, 301 for Bogarts, on base 355 and 364, slugging 519, 503. Um, OPS 874 and 867. Like they're so close, but story had more at bats too. Yeah, that's true. Story had 235 versus 203 for Bogart. So I just, and I, the point I was going to make is the one you made right as you were wrapping up there, which is given that he plays at cores, you would expect that if they are really truly equal players, his numbers ought to be better because he plays at cores. Not to say that playing at cores is why he's good, but if they were equal, his numbers should be a little better, and they're actually slightly worse, although very slightly. So I'm going to go Bogarts here as well, because I think the numbers say that, I mean, if you put him at cores, I bet his numbers would be a little more significantly better than stories. So that's my reasoning. we got to get better at this segment, because we're not having much dissent. I know. We're all agreeing with each other. We didn't, <laughs> we didn't talk about this beforehand. Okay, next one. Shane Bieber or Walker Bueller? Sorry, I was I was gonna write down another one. I was thinking of when you said it. I like this. I like both of them. You know, Shane Bieber just won the Cy Young. He's young. He's an absolute stud. But Walker Bueller has been there, done that. His like elimination game and playoff numbers are absolutely stupid for as young as he is. He is going to be the face of the Dodgers rotation for the next. I don't know, five or six years, and they're going to be great every single year because it's the Dodgers. They have a $500 million payroll for that matter, and they'd still be great. Um, Yes, like, I'm going Walker. He is the ace on that team. It's going to be Kershaw as long as he's there, but Walker Buehler is the ace. He's the ace on the best team in baseball. He's absolute dominant in big games. We saw how great he was in game five against the Nats and LDS. Thankfully, he came out. Everything went to Nat's way after that. We saw how good he was in the World Series against the Rays. The man can pitch in big games, which goes such a long way. Shane Bieber, unfortunately, is rotting on the lowly um, Cleveland team, which sucks because he's great. But I'm going Walker Buehler on this one. Give me that big game pitcher. All right. Nick, what are your thoughts? Uh, I mean, I'm not going to hold the fact that the Indians – refuse to feel a competitive team even though they had insanely good assets in place to feel the competitive team they just didn't want to spend the money or make the moves to support said team um so i won't hold that against him but you do have to acknowledge just how good walker bueller is i mean hell i was there game five uh, anytime i get to mention it, i'm going to mention i know it. i game know five, i was waiting 2019 for nlds i am watching walker bueller absolutely disintegrate the Nats chances and I through six innings I am wondering just how badly I messed up going to that game because I I never go to elimination games it's just bad juju bad juju 
Yeah, I, I just, I find that I almost can't enjoy them because I find them so stressful. Oh, it was rough. It was rough. <laughs> and, you know, thankfully, you know, little Juan Soto, little Anthony Rendon back-to-back piece helped me out. And, yeah, you know, I would say one so. Howard Kendrick certainly you know, capped off the night. Mm-hmm. Um, but Walker Bueller is the truth. But I love Shane Bieber. And I love Walker Bueller too. But I'm going Shane Bieber. His season last year, well you know, abbreviated, was out of this world. He deserved MVP votes. I don't think he got any because I don't think he was top three or a finalist. Maybe he was. I can't remember. 2020 has been a long year. Yeah, it has indeed. But he was insane. And, again, even though it was abbreviated, you can't discount that, you know, performance. Because when everyone else was struggling, even Walker Bueller. Shane Bieber had together and had arguably one of the best stretches of pitching we've seen in a long time and was absolutely insane. And whereas Walker Bueller certainly has that within his arsenal, we haven't seen it come together quite to that level yet. So I'm going Shane Bieber. Yeah, I'm going to go with you on this one. I like Bieber. (laughs) I really, really like Bieber. I just, and I know maybe this is just because I like the guy pick, but you know, Bueller is amazing. He's Bieber uh, fever. Bieber fever. Exactly. I, uh, I just, what he did last year was so impressive and I don't see any reason to expect him to take a large step back this year. I mean, all of the usual caveats about last year being a smaller sample size and all of that. But as you just said, Nick, he, a lot of people were struggling in, in the abbreviated season and he wasn't, and he played extremely well. So there's no reason to think that in a more normal season that he can't come back with maybe not quite a repeat of that phenomenal year, but I don't expect it to be drastically different. And obviously Bueller's going to benefit from great defense behind him and, you know, a lot of things that Bieber's not going to get, but I'm going to go with Bieber if I had to choose one or the other. He'd be my pick. I just want to point out that Amanda, who says 2020 season does not count as not real. Sometimes I say that. Sometimes when it suits my Cited the 2020 season for her reasoning. We do that all the time. Yeah, You've said that a I, thousand I times. Add, if you yeah, if it you supports it. your argument, then you use it. If it doesn't, then you don't. That's the way we. Do I didn't adamantly say it would then count. Where's Where's Nat's post? <laughs> that Listening, said, I'm sure. <laughs> Walker Walker Bueller certainly did not have a bad. No, not at all. That's but yeah. It's just one of those things. Like shame. I just as it yeah. stands right now is better. And if you just, sometimes you just say, like, these guys are both amazing. If you just had to pick one, you go with the one you like better, you know? Well, that's not how we do it. Yeah, but. I mean. You're looking at, like, how, how is Walker Bueller, like, what, 25, 26? And he's pitched in more playoff games than most people pitch in their entire career? Yeah, that's for that's, sure. That's on my team now. I'm better than you. I'm beating I'm beating you in the playoffs with Walker Bueller on the mound, and he's dominating Shane Bieber. Well, who says your team's even getting to the playoffs, Ryan? Walker Bueller, I'm that much better than you. Shit. <laughs> Did you say a bad word? All right, moving on. Oh, look at this. We've got the uh, the, the heavyweight matchup here at the end. Max Scherzer or Steven Strasburg? God, I mean, I want to go Why Strauss. do I have to pick just one? <laughs> I want to go Strauss, but, like, there's just so much unknown right now. But then again, there's unknown with Max, too, because we saw Father Time starting to creep up with him a little bit, and hopefully he's gotten that sorted out, and we see a healthy, dominant year from him. Oh, man. Um, 
Yeah. I'm going to go Strauss. I'm going to lean heavily on age and just the fact that he's my guy. No disrespect to Max, but I, I just I'm rooting so much for him because I need him to bounce back for multiple reasons for my rooting interests, but also just so this contract doesn't weigh us down and I don't want him to turn into another worse or, you know, God well, his said. contract doesn't exist in this exercise because you're picking him for your team that has all these other players you already picked. So, uh, but I am financially responsible. So, you know, I'm going Strauss. I think I love Max, but it's, it's only a matter of time now. Like it, he's, been the exception to the rule for mm-hmm. a couple years now the time waits for no man yeah so even though Strauss is coming back from a second Tom ma- Brady. yeah <laughs> a second major injury I'm still gonna lean youth in the fact that the last time we saw him he had one of the most dominant postseasons ever and that you know wasn't like seven years ago that was a year and change right does that math work yeah that works. It's so it's not a terribly, terribly long time. So I'm gonna put my stock in that and go Steven. All right. So I've been I've been thinking about this one. Strauss Healthy is a top ten pitcher in the game. Um his changeup when it's on is one of the most unhittable pitches in the game. Um I think he had like the third or fourth most swing and misses on it. And he gets people to chase on it, which is huge. And like we saw it in the postseason run, his changeup was on and he was lights out. The problem is he's never healthy. It's kind of like when you talk about Aaron Judge. Like when Aaron Judge is healthy, he's a top 10 player. Well, Aaron Judge is never healthy. When is Aaron Judge healthy? That's the thing with Strauss. He has one season in his career where he hasn't had some type of injury. And I feel like his hand was was obviously a lot bigger than they were saying it to be. I think it's going to bother him. I think he's going to keep having injury concerns. I want to go Strauss, but because of those injuries, I think it's going to keep being a repeating issue every single year just because we've kind of seen that every single year. Um, I'm going to go Max just because of that. Like, yeah, father time is undefeated, and he is inevitable, but um, I just I can't I can't pass all of Strauss's injuries. So for that, I'm going to go uh, Max. All right, I am going to go Strauss here because while I agree ah. with you that there are – I know, I love Max. I love Max Scherzer. He's my favorite player on the team. However, Strauss, even if if I were to take a guy for my team, I would say, okay, Strauss, when healthy, is transcendent. He's got a lot more years left where I might get a healthy season out of him. Max is maybe I get one more good season out of him. I can't see more than that. I mean, I'm sure Max isn't thinking of it that way, but I can't see him being Max anymore after another year, maybe two. And I think Strauss has a lot more years left in him. So, you know, Max, if he doesn't want to quit, is going to end up at some point, you know, doing the John Lester thing and signing a cheap deal for one year somewhere where he's never played before because he wants to stay in the game. I don't want to be... I don't want to be on the receiving end of that if I'm picking players for my team. So for age and longevity, regardless of injury concerns, I'm going Strauss. I did not expect that. Yeah. <laughs> See, keeping you on your toes. This is true. This keeping is Keeping you on your toes. Anyways, okay, so before we move on to talk about, we have another new segment to do, which is going to be fun. But Nick, could you talk a bit about our lovely sponsor? Mm-hmm. Certainly. 
Fellas, Valentine's Day has come and gone, but that does not mean you should stop taking care of yourself. Together, Half Street High Heat and Manscaped has got you covered. We've talked about the Lawnmower 3.0. You should have that by now. I mean, hell, you should even be ready to order your replacement replacement blades, which Manscaped can also do for you on a subscription service, I might add. But you should take care of yourself by making yourself smell good, too. I want to talk about Manscaped's refined cologne. I just got mine, and I love it. I absolutely love it, and I'm not going to steer you wrong here. I threw it on today, even though the only place I went was to the barber. And, you know, Ryan, I don't know how it is for women, but, Ryan, you know how you go to um, get your hair cut, and then you go home, but then you smell the shampoo that the barber used, and you're like, damn, that smells good? Um, I don't let someone else shampoo my hair. I think it's weird. So I know what the hot towel smells like, so I'm going to go off of that. Yes. I mean, you really just had to kill my ad read there. Um, <laughs> great, great. Uh, so, yes. So I thought it was with the shampoo that the barber used, but it was not. It was me. It was my cologne, and you can smell as good as I do. Go to manscaped.com. Use promo code HSHH20 for 20% off and free shipping. Use it on the cologne. Make yourself smell nice. Get the Lawn Mower 3.0 if you have not already. And just check out what other products they have, whether it's replacement blades or something else. Treat yourself. It does not stop just because the holidays have come and gone. Treating yourself, taking care of yourself is a year-round experience, and you need to do so. So visit Manscaped right now. Use our promo code HSHH20. And before we move on to our final segment of the episode, I want to talk about the Half Street High Heat store. Still up and running. We recently launched a Half Street High Heat to the moon because our hashtag stocks are rising with our website, YouTube channel, writing, DC Natchak, all the above, stocks to the moon. So please go check out that shirt as well as all of our other products. You can get it on a shirt, hoodie, uh, notebook, laptop case, mug, stickers, whatever Mask. you want. Mask. <laughs> we have it all so please go check it out there's a sale running right now i believe it ends the 17th so if you're listening to this tomorrow wednesday is the final day of the sale so please go check it out appreciate any support you want to give to us and please send us pictures of you repping your gear we absolutely love it all right excellent so that's you you heard it here if you want to smell like nick get over to manscaped and order the cologne you could do a lot worse See, that's damned with faint praise right there. Yes, thank you. <laughs> All right, so another new segment we're going to do is we're calling it Did You Know? We're going to tell kind of an obscure baseball story that a lot of people may have heard, but maybe you haven't heard it. So um, this one is going to be fun. We're also going to start trying to do some highlighting of women in baseball. Um, we're going to be doing that on the website and the blog as well as here on the podcast. So tonight we're going to talk a little bit about the story of Jackie Mitchell. So if you haven't heard this story before, it's a super fun story. Um, Jackie Mitchell was a, a girl. She's 18 years old and was signed by a double-A minor league team as sort of a lark um, at a time when, of course, women weren't in baseball, which you would think would have changed by now, but that's a whole other topic. Um, anyway, she was a pitcher. Um, she was taught to pitch by her neighbor. She grew up in Tennessee, and her neighbor was Hall of Famer Dazzy Vance. 
who was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in 1955. And um, he was the only pitcher who ever led the National League in strikeouts for seven consecutive seasons. So a heck of a teacher. Uh, so she had a very nasty pitch arsenal, including an amazing curveball. And the story goes that in 1955, I'm sorry, in 1931 in Chattanooga, Tennessee, the New York Yankees came to town to play the team that she had been signed to, which was the Chattanooga Lookout. So this was a big media event, and uh, there were tons of reporters there. And she was brought in to pitch after the original pitcher got rocked on his first couple of uh, at-bats. And she came in, and as the story goes, she entered the game and struck out in consecutive at-bats both Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig. So to this day, there was no video of this happening. So to this day, it's sort of a controversial story about whether it was real. She always maintains that it was real, and neither Babe Ruth nor Lou Gehrig ever denied it. Um, but she was then um, had her contract vacated, I guess because she had embarrassed two of the biggest hitters in baseball, and uh, ended up playing more baseball, but never really got back into the minor leagues where she had been before. So it's a really cool story. You should check it out. Um, you can look it up online. It's all over the place. But you can also check it out on our website. Monty, our um, blog coordinator, has a fantastic story about it that's going to be published tomorrow around the same time that this podcast is released. So make sure you get over to the website and check it out. Um, she was an amazing story. So... We'll have more stories about women in baseball for you. We're going to do some that are more modern stories and some that are more historical stories. So we'll keep those coming. Yeah, and like Ryan likes to say, well, point out, MLB does not do a good job of honoring certain parts of its history, and they do a better job of covering up even more parts of their history. So we do want to try and highlight certain areas that may not get as much coverage as they deserve like how they uh, introduced the Negro Leagues as part of, you know, official MLB stats. They just conveniently left out the reason that the Negro Leagues were separate from MLB in the first place. But needless to say, we are going to highlight someone, whether it's a women, uh, women in baseball or someone else, try to every week, and Monty is spearheading that. So thank you, Monty, and thank you, Amanda. And thank you to all those in baseball who do not get the recognition they do, do deserve. Yeah, so we'll keep these kind of uh, stories you might not have heard coming, especially I think we will do some from the Negro Leagues in the, in the coming weeks. That are uh, There's so much history there that baseball has never really made, made public, and there's just a goldmine of, of interesting stories to tell. So we'll be bringing you those. We appreciate you guys, and we will talk to you in two days. Later. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac A new team's mowing down the ranks of their opponents The Nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator Who has the cause has passed the wall to see you later Let's go Nats We've got a game to play We're gonna win today Let's go
By the early light of dawn, well you can see they're running scared Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are bursting in the air Tell the Library of Congress that they might not want to look Cause we're putting curly W's in every book Let's go Nats, we've got a game to play Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.